Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Walk in Faith. We are in Orlando, Florida at NRB and I'm sitting down with my friend David A.R. White and Brian Bosworth. Guys, it's great to meet you, Brian and David. It's always a pleasure to see you. Likewise. Thank you so much. We're here to talk about Revelation Road and I have not seen all three, I'm sorry, but I do watch pretty much every Pure Flix movie. I've seen you in so many. The other day it was the basketball coach or the vigilante. I mean, there's always something. So tell us about Revelation Road. Yeah. Well, Brian and I actually started Revelation Road in 2012, over 10 years ago, was the first movie. It was this idea, obviously the book of, you know, if you're taking Mad Max with Empire Strikes Back and then you throw in the book of Revelation, that's what this is, you know? It's it's this really cool following of my character who's left behind, his family told him to come to faith and he didn't, and all of a sudden, boom, the rapture happens and how do you proceed in the years of the tribulation? And so. This series was obviously, it was cool to get back together with Brian and do this. And it's seven episodes. You'd think of the seven years of tribulation, seven seals, and it is a romp. Can you tell me about your character, Brian? My character at the very beginning, Revelation Road 1 2, uh, his name is Hog. It's a great name. It's a great name because I ride a motorcycle. I'm a leader of a motorcycle gang, full of vengeance, wielding a five foot hammer. Yes. Sledgehammer. I remember the first episode yeah. in the first scene where the, the guy runs exactly away just, and you chase him. I thought you were going to let him go, uh, and you yeah. didn't. And you, I remember that scene. <laughs> you bludgeoned him with a hammer. He, and he didn't have the right it's answers. Fake. It's very he fake. The right was he the accountant or something? What was he? I forgot his character. No, he, was, he, was, uh, he was a federal he, agent. A federal, a federal agent. Federal agent gone wrong. Yeah. Oh. He's like a lot of humans. When uh, when something bad happens in their life, they, they really don't know how to, to exercise their anger. He exhibits his anger outward instead of really understanding what's happened and why it's happened and where is he gonna go from here. And he wants to put blame, so he blames humanity. He goes out and exacts revenge on on humanity. And and ironically, at that particular time in my life, it's kind of who I was. So I resonated with the character on the page and it scared me a little bit because I don't like having darkness inside me. Um, But if you don't have instructions on how to deal with that, it it makes life uh, sometimes very unbearable. Uh, but you got to get through it. For me, it was very cathartic because when the event actually happens on screen and you see it and then you reflect on when this event happens and if it happens today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, whenever it happens and you realize, man, I'm not going. I'm here. I am left here by my own choices because I refuse to engage in a relationship and change my life and put him first and me second. It made me really look back on what have I accomplished? Yeah, I've done some things and yeah, people know my name, but ultimately you're by yourself most of your day, most of your life and you're looking and we're all struggling. How do I fit in? Why am I here? What am I doing? Am I impacting anybody? You know, and if you're not doing that, you really need to figure out what am I missing? And in most cases, we're just missing that relationship. It's amazing. I mean, you said so many powerful things because you think about too, as successful as you, you know, you are and you were as a, as an athlete, right? As an actor, as a, opening pure flicks, we still suffer from being insecure, right? Being significant, fitting in, right? And then there's this persona that we create, but beneath the surface, we're all like in pain, right? We're suffering until we make that connection to Christ. Absolutely. So what happened that, how did you overcome that pain and that darkness in your life? Well, understanding my relationship with my father and really when we're growing up as young men, you know, we have to have 
positive role models in our lives and we always kind of gravitate to our fathers, our grandfathers, our coaches, you know, our male teachers, people that we can identify with. And, and in my case with my father, we had a strong bond, but it was a difficult bond. As a kid, I always wanted to just kind of satisfy him and it was, it was difficult to get that from him. And I didn't realize, you don't understand that, what's going on in, in his life as a kid, but as you learn later, why is my dad the way he is? And then you suddenly look at, why am I the way I am? Because now I'm kind of a little mimic of him. If I look back on it, he didn't have a great relationship with his father, never knew his his father. We're we're talking the same language. And as you grow up with the man, you realize that the toolbox that he goes out into the garage every day to help build your life is full of a bunch of broken tools. And then suddenly you inherit that toolbox. And when you start your family and you want to build your life, the proper way. You go into the toolbox, you go, oh, my hammer's broken, my, my wrench is broken, my pliers don't work, I don't have a screwdriver, I can't do anything. So I gotta go find somebody else to do it. And if you're finding somebody else to, to fix your life or build your life, it doesn't work. So watching my father go through that, I just thought, I gotta, I gotta break the chains here. I've gotta do something positive in my life to impact it. So I, and I had three kids. I wanna be an effective father, I wanna be an effective husband, but more important, I needed to be an effective person. And I wasn't that until I, change my way of thinking and put somebody else in the driver's seat, me get in the back seat and say, I just trust where you're going, God. And I trust, you know, I trust the fact that Jesus died for all of us and honor that and then mimic my life behind that. Were you ever able to have this conversation with your father or has he passed away? No, he passed away. You know, it was one of those dark moments in my life because he had gotten diagnosed with cancer and for seven or eight years he struggled. And the more he struggled, the more bitter he got. And when I got that call, it's like, you got to come now. You know, he's maybe hours, but we don't know how, how long, how much longer he's got. I remember walking in the room and just the disappointment that just came on his face. It's like, why are you here? I don't need you in my space right now. It just kind of broke my heart. <clears throat> but watching him go from rose to gray on that last breath, I realized that man died alone and bitter. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I've got to, I've got to make a change. Would love to talk to you more about this. I mean, it's my father right now is in the hospital and he's in a very similar situation and he's very bitter and angry. And now I just said the other day, my mom called me and said he wants to talk to you about you know, his relationship with Christ. But I, same thing, not a great relationship growing up, but I forgive him for a lot. You know, he came from, his parents came from Italy, first generation. They didn't know how to express love and emotion yes, exactly. and anger. And so I, I take that in consideration. But like you said, I broke the cycle. How did your relationship with your children, did you sort of, before you broke the cycle, did you implement the similar tools from the toolbox that your father sort of left you? Were you 
creating standards that they couldn't reach? Did you have a good relationship with them? Yeah, I mean, I've got three kids and you know, the fortunate and unfortunate thing about having children is you don't control what comes out. Um, they are their own being and you have to accept and support them. So individually, each relationship is slightly different with each one of my children. And I have to accept them for who they are and then just try to guide them. But being present in their moment at each time that I get a chance to be with them is that lasting memory of who their father or who their mother is, you know. And you, if you create a bond over the period of time of trust, then they, when they need you, because this generation that we're raising around is super independent and they have their own voice mm -hmm. and they are speaking loudly, whether we agree with all of the things that they say, but we have to guide and we have to support. And hopefully over time, they get the initial essential things that they need so that they can then turn around when they start a family and go, I know where I got my information yes. from. And I want to pass that proper information on because we all make mistakes as we go through and we're all sinners. So through our choices, the choices that we make sometimes are good, sometimes they're not so good. If you're making 100% great choices, you know, there's probably only one on the planet that ever lived like that and he died for us. Yeah. All the rest of our choices may be bad, but as long as we learn from the choices that we make, we get knocked down, we don't stay on the ground, we don't stay curled up, we get up and we got to learn from that. I may not make that mistake again, and when I pass on that knowledge, I'm gonna pass it on the mm. right way and be supportive it. about it. I love it. I think my son's gonna tell his family when he gets older, my father smothered me with love, you know, because my That's father never thing. said I love yeah. you, right? It was just was seven. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I love all yeah. day, I love you, I love you. And my father, they didn't share that he came from Italy. That's not, they, he was a man. They didn't express love and compassion and emotion. In a, in a different way. That he generation did it, yeah, did I it in, in a different way. a different way. Now it's like we smother our kids so he'll have a problem with that <laughs> later on. But you, I mean, you overcame a lot of adversity. I know your father was a Mennonite preacher. Wasn't it a rock farm? Something to do with rocks, right? <laughs> well, I'm trying yeah. to remember well, this story. Well, my first job was picking rocks, yeah. I remember that. Uh, out, in the, out in the middle of a And uh, Canon, from yeah. Kansas, you moved to Hollywood, right? Yeah, I, I went to Chicago Soviet... for a year and then came to L.A. when I was 19. It's interesting, though, listening to all that, because I'm a dad. I have three yeah. children, you know. My kids are much younger than Brian's, you know. They're still in the 10, my daughter's 10, 13, and my son's 16. So it's this balance of trying to, like, not over-smother your kids. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know? Mario. Uh, and I, fortunately, my dad actually, you know, was a believer and was a pastor and his thing that that I was able to come across was with connecting people he was really great at that started Christian radio he brought Christian radio to the south from Oklahoma to Texas to Kansas and so you know it didn't exist in in that way and we've been I've been fortunate to be able to do that you know to meet one of the things that I love about the faith-based industry is that you know when we started Revelation Road 11 years ago or 12 years ago. You start out in this life to do a project that you, you know, you believe that the Lord calls you to do mm -hmm. whatever that work is. But in the process of it, God also has this huge reason behind things that we never ever see. Sometimes we get to see, like in this situation, you know, when Revelation Road we were like, let's get the angriest guy we know who can, you know, wield a huge, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever, the hammer, hammer you know, while riding a 1200 pound Harley, uh, you know, bludgeoning a poor federal agent. Who's that? <laughs> this guy. Uh, did, he tell, did he tell you that in the meeting? <laughs> yeah, that's how they, that was the hook. That was the hook. <laughs> that yeah. would have grabbed me too. <laughs> you know? Need an um, angry guy. Wait a minute, I get permission to do this? <laughs> But that's the beauty, though, I think, in our imaginations, we thought we were doing one Revelation Road, you know, and then it, it split into two, and then we did a third, 
you know, and then now six, seven years later, here we were, we were in South Africa for three months doing this series, you know, and it's cool because it's something I think that has not been seen in the faith-based world before. When, you know, do have we done Mad Max, Empire Strikes Back, and no, Book, Book of Revelation I, yet? I agree. Even the look, though, right? It's, like, saturated. So cool, yeah. It reminds me of, like, not Mad Max, like some of the old, there was a, a Denzel Washington movie, I forgot the name. Um, yeah, that where he walks around. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the same sort of this way it's filmed. Book of Eli. Book of Eli. I do appreciate that because you don't see really any faith-based films that have sort of that look. Yeah. They're all the same, pop, life's great, they don't really explore. And this is, you know, in Revelation Road, this is explores the depths of these people in the end times and what they're going through because it's so mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. We don't quite wrap our heads around it, you know? There's like books and books and books of the, trying to break it down of what does this actually mean and where are we going? And this series takes a glimpse of that in an entertaining way, clearly in the book of Revelation, in, you know, what is the end times really like? What are the seven, what are the seven seals like? When do they break? How does this unfold? Wow. And uh, so we're super excited to roll this thing out. And and, and now, so I did see some of part one. So if someone hasn't seen all three, they could still enjoy and watch. Yeah, you don't have to actually watch the movies uh, before. We encourage it. Yeah, right? I think it helps. Certainly more of Brian Bosworth is always a good thing. Well, David more I think I think that it gives a context of, of where you are just prior yeah. to that point. It's the pre. It's the pre before the rapture. Right. And then and then this series takes place in after. I gotta finish the movie where you're the basketball coach and you're trying out, you're the janitor. Impossible, yeah. I gotta finish that yeah. one. I've got 30 minutes left and then I'll stop watching. <laughs> hey, the bucket list always grows, man. As long as you can continue there's so many to check new it out. I'm telling you, every time I go on Pure Flakes, there's something new great, to watch. And David's starring there, in it, so I yeah. figured let me support him. Yeah. Well guys, thank you. When yeah. is this gonna be released? September. September. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll advise everyone yeah, to watch it. Yeah, trailer dropped yesterday, though. So oh, okay. Trailer's out there. Take a look at it. Well, we'll we advise everyone to watch it. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, you for Thanks for having us. Guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode of Walk in Faith. Always remember, you have the ability to inspire and evangelize through your words and actions. God bless you. Hey everybody, it's Craig Syracuse. I'm the host of Walk in Faith, and I'm also the executive director of the Emmaus Center. If you would like to find out ways that you can contribute and help us bring the Word of God, help us evangelize, please log on to EmmausBrooklyn.org for more information. God bless you.